0: Hey guys, uh oh, goodness, I look like alfalfa. Um wow, I'm not fixing anything, am I? <laughs> so we're um resuming our heavy revy, and we are in Revelation chapter 13, and we're gonna start with verse one, and um let me get over there. I hope you guys had a great Thanksgiving. Uh last week I was at the Uh, Christmas parade, so I didn't get to do our lesson. But our last study was on chapter 12, the woman and the dragon. And now we are going to dive into the beasts. So there's two beasts. And initially, I went back and forth. Like if you listen to this study of the Daniel Company, which is available on the podcast uh, for Destination Church, um, that one was called the Daniel Company. I spoke about how I wasn't sure my, you know, my opinion of the beast out of the sea, if it was an Antichrist or the Antichrist or the beast out of the earth was, and through more study and study of Revelation, I'm pretty much in agreement with the, uh, what, what would be the word, the common opinion that this is referring to the Antichrist. But what I also want to preface this study with is that John is seeing in more detail what Daniel got a glimpse of. And because, you know, I mean, Daniel was told to seal up the things and that you know, basically the Lord would unseal them at one point. And so now we've got John. He received some things that he had to seal up as well that will be unveiled at the end of the age when they're needed So as we go, there's progressive revelation. You see this in the early church when they first started operating in this new kingdom and the new kingdom principles. They had a transition from the old way of thinking, which was religious uh, systems and laws and external washings and things of that nature. And now it's, you know, yes, you can eat unclean meat and also you need to go to Cornelius's house and No, Paul, you don't have to be beaten in every city and stoned to death and have to be resurrected. You can actually become relevant to the marketplace and do the work that you want until you're ready to lay your life down. So there was just a progressive revelation uh, among the people of God, and uh, that's the case today. I'm not saying that there's going to be any additions to the word of God But our understanding and insight, especially as his return nears, will become more clear and um, we will have a better idea of how things are going to go down. So with that being said, let's look at uh, verses 1 through 2. And it says, Then I saw a beast rising up out of the sea. It had seven heads and ten horns with ten crowns on its horns. And written on each head were names that blasphemed God. The beast looked like a leopard, but it had the feet of a bear and the mouth of a lion. And the dragon gave the beast his own power and throne and great authority. Now, it's important to understand that God sees both the ruler and the kingdom as one. Because the ruler is the one that directs the, the, well, the direction of the nation. But we can see here, this is not referring to a person because it says, now I'm not saying that the Antichrist as a ruler isn't ruling over this. I'm just saying when we look at this, you have a beast that comes up out of the sea and the word, or usually when you see the word sea, it is a prophetic or symbolic uh, picture of the masses of humanity. And then this beast has seven heads and ten horns with ten crowns on its horns. So this is a world power, okay? And one of the most exciting revelations I got was uh, toward the end of the Daniel Company, where I realized what was restraining the final Antichrist, the final kingdom. And so I definitely recommend that you go back and listen to that. I don't remember the title, um, but... Here we have world powers that have shifted in such a way that it's now time for a final confrontation once their course is ran, okay? So you've got a beast that has seven heads, ten horns, the ten crowns are the rulers, and these are antichrist in nature. So these nations blasphemed God, and also... It should be familiar to you. Looked like a leopard, had the feet of a bear, mouth of a lion. Uh, This is going back to what Daniel saw. Well, actually, uh, Nebuchadnezzar is the one that had the dreams of um, the lion represented Babylon. The bear represented the Meadow Persian Empire, and it was lopsided. Um, The leopard represented Greece, which Alexander the Great took over the world in lightning speed. And then, of course, you have the final, the fourth kingdom, which the initial um, appearance of that was um, Rome. And then you have a resurrection, so to speak, of that empire, which Rome was both Western and Eastern. So it included, the Roman Empire included what we would um, call our Western culture, of which we are a part of, but also the Islamic culture. And, uh, so you can see how it might get a little bit interesting. There's a lot of interesting things about the Islamic religion that can actually fit with that final empire and also fit within the context of a resurrected Roman empire. Uh, so basically what John is seeing is a culmination of all the Antichrist kingdoms, um, And basically, it's reaching its apex of evil because we see that the dragon gave the beast, this nation, this kingdom, this um, whatever you want to call it, this antichrist situation, its own power and throne and great authority. Okay, so now let's look at um, uh, verses three through four. And I'll get into what the seven things are. Don't worry. We'll, we'll get into the seven heads and, the, and all of that. Um, okay. So then I saw one of the heads of the beast seemed wounded beyond recovery, but the fatal wound was healed. The whole world marveled at this miracle and gave allegiance to the beast. They worshiped the dragon for giving the beast such power, and they also worshiped the beast. Who is as great as the beast? They exclaimed. "Who is able to fight against him. Okay. Now, um, again, if we're looking at the beast in the strict interpretation of what John is seeing, the beast is a kingdom. It's a nation. And the nation appears wounded beyond recovery, and yet its fatal wound is healed. Um, A lot of people have written books about the fall of the Roman Empire, and it's a very interesting study. Um, I, I could see, see that the fallen Roman Empire resurrecting into a nation um, that is of the might and power that the ancient Roman Empire had, or maybe more. I could see that happening and that people would then worship uh, that beast. If you go into Babylon and King Nebuchadnezzar, he had an image, you know, a golden image that he wanted everybody to worship. The worship was both the nation and him, you know, so there was like a, you've got patriotism where you love your nation and then you have people that they worship their nation. And that was what was going on there. He simply was recognized as the one who was leading the nation, one of the greatest kings, actually, of Babylon. And he was wanting that worship. So that's where the Antichrist in nature comes from. It, It seeks to steal what belongs to the Lord. So I could see that the Roman Empire would fit into this scenario. I don't think it's an actual person who is killed. I know that's taught that the Antichrist will be uh, murdered or killed in some fashion and then resurrected. I I actually do not think that's what this is uh, referring to. Let's look at Daniel 7, 19 through 27. I've got it in my notes. I just want to read it to you. You can turn there if you want, but it says, I wanted to know the true meaning of the fourth beast, the one that was so different from the others and so terrifying. It had devoured and crushed its victims with iron teeth and bronze claws, trampling their remains beneath its feet. I also asked about the ten horns on the fourth beast's head and the little horn that came up afterward and destroyed three of the other horns. This horn had seemed greater than the others, and it had human eyes and a mouth that was boasting arrogantly. As I watched, the horn was waging war against God's holy people and was defeating them until the Ancient One, the Most High, came and judged in favor of his holy people. Then the time arrived for the holy people to take over the kingdom. Then he said to me, this fourth beast is the fourth world power. That will rule the earth. It will be different from all the others. It will devour the whole world, trampling and crushing everything in its path. Its ten horns are ten kings who will rule that empire. Okay, so now we have a coalition of nations that make up the fourth kingdom or the beast that's coming out of the sea. Uh, Then another king will arise, different from the other ten, who will subdue three of them. He will defy the Most High and oppress the holy people of the Most High. He will try to change their sacred festivals and laws, and they will be placed under his control for at times, times, and half a time. Okay, so let me just kind of sum it up before we continue. So Daniel saw what John is now seeing, and basically you've got these 10 kings that are a coalition that they create this fourth beast, unlike any that had ever been seen before, okay? So they form this Antichrist system and the Antichrist system actually paves the way for this other king that will arise, okay? So now we have the eighth kingdom. There's been seven Uh, superpowers have interacted with Israel. The eighth kingdom is going to be this king and his antichrist system. He is going to subdue three of the 10 kings. Okay. The other seven are going to submit to him so that they're not destroyed. Um, And then he is going to uh, go on a rampage and try to kill off Jews as well as Christians And he's going to um, have this power for three and a half years. I mean, it's right here, right? So then it says in verse 26, the court will pass judgment and all his power will be taken away and completely destroyed. Then the sovereignty, power, and greatness of all the kingdoms under heaven will be given to the holy people of the Most High. His kingdom will last forever and all rulers will serve and obey him. Okay, so again... Ten nations are going to form one Antichrist system. That Antichrist system paves the way for the eighth kingdom and the final Antichrist ruler to rise up. He will then take over this ten-nation coalition by subduing three, leaving the seven, and then he is going to basically declare himself God and go after anybody who believes in the Most High, both Israel and Christians. So I'm, I'm repeating myself because it's simple, but it just helps to really make it plain what's going to happen. Because when we see these things, um, then we'll be like, okay, you know, the countdown is here, three and a half years. All right. So this is a picture of the final world power, the fourth beast that Nebuchadnezzar saw and that Daniel saw. And um, the Antichrist is a small horn uh, and he has the dragon enforced power uh, that has been granted to him to defy God. Okay, I didn't know this for a long time. I actually learned it when I was studying uh, Revelation. And the um, beast out of the sea with the seven heads, represents the seven antichrist systems or kingdoms that have been in history. What makes an antichrist kingdom is a nation that interacts with Israel in a way to destroy it, and a nation that interacts with Christians in a way to destroy it. So there's been many other nations, but the one ones that God is concerned with are the ones that have interacted with his nation, okay? And so we see Egypt was one of the first superpowers that enslaved Israel and that Moses, you know, led the people out of, which is a picture of the rapture, by the way. Then you have Assyria, you have Babylon, medo Persia, Greece, Rome, and then the final world power, which will, you know, be these, these seven kings. The Antichrist... The little horn and his kingdom represent eight, uh, or bring us to eight. John was writing this during the sixth world power, which was Rome. And from both Daniel and Revelation, we see, again, the head that is mortally wounded, and then it is healed. Uh, And then Daniel alludes to the fact that maybe... Uh, The culmination of all the Antichrist kingdoms, which I believe is a resurrection of Rome. Uh, So this is a nation that is healed, that was mortally wounded, not a person, okay? Now the word wounded means to slaughter or to kill. It also means a stroke, stripe, blow, wound, or injury, a wound caused by a blow, and a calamity Some type of calamity almost destroyed this nation, and it was able to be healed. The word healed is where we get our word therapy. So it's a healing over time. It means to tend with the more general meaning of to relieve, heal, cure, or heal miraculously. So it appears that this nation, this world power, suffered such a blow, such a calamity, that it seemed to have disappeared almost completely. And it will miraculously resurrect itself and inspire the whole world to marvel and give allegiance to it. Um, There's only one other nation I know of that was all but disappeared and scattered and then resurrected, and that is Israel. So in Isaiah 66, verse 8 it says, who has heard such a thing? Who has seen such things? Shall the earth be made to give birth in one day? Or shall a nation be born at once? For as soon as Zion was in labor, she gave birth to her children. So Israel was reborn with the, I think it's the Balfour um, agreement after World War Two. So the Antichrist killed uh, six million Jews and um, in order to, um, what's the word, relieve and, um, restore Jews, they decided that Israel was reborn. And, uh, and so, you know, <clears throat> they owned the land by the way, uh, and Palestine is actually, um, the name that a Roman King gave the land when he drove out all the Jews because they were just so stubborn and obstinate. It was actually, a, um, an insult and naming the land Palestine because it was the variant of Philistine. And, uh, so Palestine was never a nation. And, um, but you know, a lot of people don't know that. Okay. Uh, so the dragon is going to copycat that miracle of Israel as a nation being reborn after 2000 years of being scattered because they were scattered in AD 70 when Titus surrounded, um, the holy city and destroyed it and You know, people uh, took off and went out throughout the world. The word marveled means to be amazed, to be struck with admiration or astonishment. Um, The phrase gave allegiance is a marker of one who is followed as a leader. And what makes it worse is they not only follow the beast, but they also worship the dragon for giving the beast such power. So listen to this definition of worship from the complete word study New Testament. It means to kiss and adore, to worship, uh, show respect, fall, or prostrate before. Literally kiss towards someone, to throw a kiss in token of respect or homage. The ancient Oriental, especially Persian mode of salutation between persons of equal ranks was to kiss each other on the lips. When the difference of rank was slight, they kiss each other on the cheek. When one was much inferior, he fell upon his knees and touched his forehead to the ground, throwing kisses at the same time toward the superior. It is this latter mode of operation that Greek writers express by this word. In the New Testament, generally to do reverence or homage to someone, usually by kneeling or prostrating oneself before him. In the Septuagint, it means to bow down, to prostrate oneself in reverence. So the world has, or the dragon has, finally achieved his goal. He has the world worshiping him. Not everybody will, but the most. And it's clear that the glory for the beast's healing is given to the dragon openly because they are uh, worshiping, worshiping him. Now the word power here, where it says um, they worshiped the beast for, or they worship the dragon for giving the beast such power. It's not dunamis, which is where we get the word dynamite or supernatural power. It's actually the word, uh, which was surprising to me, exousia. Exousia means legal jurisdiction. Uh, it also is authority, permission, liberty, dominion, and rule. So it's the same word and idea of a police officer. When he's in uniform, he has his weapon, he has his badge. He is a representative of of a legal system. So he has legal jurisdiction within his city. He can't go to another city and exert the law of his city there. He has to work with the other law enforcement uh, officers and organizations. And so it's um, a dominion, it's a rule, Uh, it's an ability to enforce laws. So um, the people say, Who is as great as the beast? Who is able to fight against him? Okay? So the word for fight here is war. So this is a clear national idea that this final world power that is ruled by the Antichrist that the biblical writers have discussed um, is so powerful and possesses the dragon's uh, power, throne, and authority that no other nation is able to stand against him. And so it creates this intense pride among the people and they worship uh, both. So it'll be a final uh, and probably most powerful superpower we have seen in the world. Um, So I think that's where we're going to stop uh, for tonight, we'll get into the blasphemies and and all of those things and the 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 mark and things like that uh, uh, next week. And I'm super excited. Um, I am leaving town uh, for Christmas, so uh, I think the week after we won't have a heavy revi teaching. But um, after that, we'll be getting into um, where the rapture is. So I think that will be very interesting for you guys. Um, but anyway, so we're going to, uh, end it tonight and I hope you guys have a great rest of your weekend and excuse me, and I will see you next week.